Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au Why don't we just pray as we go into the Word. Father, Lord, we, uh, we love your Word because it's a living Word. And your, your Word, although it was written thousands of years ago, it still speaks to us today. And it's able to penetrate our hearts and lives and speak wisdom into whatever we're facing today. Lord, I pray that this word would come alive in our hearts today by your grace and for your glory, Lord God. Find every spirit of fear and intimidation, just let there be freedom. Find every distraction, Father, let us be focused on that which you want to speak to us. And Father, we want you to know that we're hungry to hear from you above all else this morning. Speak a word into our lives, into my life. Even today we pray. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, uh, this is the last message in a series that we've been in, uh, talking about God's glorious church. The purpose of these messages has been to remind us of the power of the local church, just in case we've been forgetting, just in in case we've been getting a little bit too comfortable at home, watching service online. Uh, This series has been about reminding us why it's so important to be part of the local church. Now, Being part of the church doesn't mean just gathering on a Sunday morning. It's part of that. But it also means being the church outside of these walls uh, as well. We might talk about that in the next uh, series. Um, It's been a couple of key scriptures uh, in this series. Uh, One comes from the life of Jacob. And I spoke about that last week. I just love, love this scripture and I love just reading it. And it says, when Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place. And, and uh, he goes on to say, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. And my prayer, our prayer here at Life Christian Center would be that, that we would be able to say, surely the Lord is in this place. Can I hear an amen? Just a little one. Um, that How awesome is this place? Not awesome because of the building or not awesome because of the worship. Although the worship is amazing. The, 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 everything that we have is amazing. It's awesome because of the grace of God. It's awesome because of the presence of God. That this is none other than the house of God. That this is the place where God dwells. Um, it's the gate of heaven. Other key verse of the series is Jesus' words who said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against her. And as I've already said in this series, Jesus uses a building term uh, to describe the church. I like that because uh, whenever you build a house or a building, whatever it is, the first thing you do is you get a picture of it. Uh, it's the first thing you do. You, you do it before you, you get the plans done, before you actually, you know, bricks are laid. You need to decide on what the building is going to look like. Can I hear an amen? Everyone ever build a, build a house and, and you know that the first thing you do, you, you, you get the architect, draw a picture of what the end product is going to look like. So the question that has challenged me for many, many years and continues to challenge me today is when Jesus said, I will build my church, what kind of church did he have in mind? What was the picture that he had in front of him as he, as he thought about the local church and the power of the local church? What kind of image did he have in his mind? Interestingly, as we read the New Testament, the Bible actually provides us with a number of images 
pictures of what the church actually should look like. Um, one author, Paul Minia, uh, has found 96 images in the New Testament of the church. 96. We're going to be looking at all 96 this morning together, all right? So uh, I hope you brought some lunch because it's going to be a long morning. That's not true. What I want to do is actually give you just four, all right? Just four images this morning. Before I give them to you, let me give you some wrong images of the church. Some wrong images of the church. Some people think church is like a petrol station. Uh, And the quote is, you know, fill me up. In other words, people come to church and fill me up. Now, the church ought to be a place where we are filled up. Can I hear an amen? I don't know about you, but every time I come to church, I, I, I feel refreshed. I feel restored. I feel like the week drains me, but coming back to church, beginning to worship. I don't know. It just fills my tank. Can I hear an amen? amen. Some people think the, movie, the church is like a movie theater. Entertain me. Now, you do get some pretty good entertainment here at the church. The jokes are pretty good, aren't they? Come on. Yes, thank you very much. The church is not like a movie theater. It's more, much more than that. Some people think the church is like a social club. Be my friend. Now, the church is a place where we develop relationships. It certainly is that, but the church is way more than, than just a social club where we gather together. Some people think the church is a welfare center. Meet my needs. And the church is a place where we meet each other's needs, but the, the church is way more than just a welfare center. Some people think the church is like a pharmacy. Certainly, that's what Matthew Chavelli wants. Uh, give me something for my pain. The church is a place where God somehow restores us of our pain, where God heals us of our wounds. But the church is much, much more than just that. Some people think the church is like a department store. Provide great service for me, you know. And uh, I pray that as a church, we would provide great service, that, 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 that people would always feel welcome when you come to Life Bridge. And when you walk in through the doors, there's an usher that's greeting you with a smile. And I pray that's what happened this morning anyway. Uh, and, uh, but the church is way more than that. Um, church is all of those things and more. The word ch- church actually means the called out ones, the called out ones. The church is not a building. It's a group of people that are called out of the world to be different. The church is, is a group of people. It's not, it's not a building. It's not a place. Uh, it, it's, it's a group of people that are called out to be different. There should be something different about the people of God because of what Jesus has done in our lives. Because, because of the relationship with the, that we have with Jesus Christ, we live our lives differently. We don't respond the way everybody else responds. We don't react the way everybody else reacts. We behave differently. We think differently. We are called to be the representations of Jesus Christ on the earth. That's the church of Jesus Christ. We are are called to be the, the hands and the feet of Jesus. When Jesus was about to ascend into heaven, he said, listen, guys, I need to go. I need, to, I, need to, I need to leave because if, if, if I, when I leave, the Holy Spirit can come. And the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the Holy Spirit will come into you. And the work of the Holy Spirit is to form Christ inside of us. It's what we call the process of sanctification. That is becoming more and more like Jesus. In fact, I believe the vision or the mission of every believer ought to be to be more and more like Jesus. We are disciples of Jesus Christ. And the reason why we are called Christians or followers of Jesus or disciples of Jesus, we want to become more and more like Jesus. 
Can I hear a little amen somewhere in the church? That's what makes the church different. And, and, and one of my prayers every single day, you hear me say this again and again, I, I'm going to keep saying it. One of my prayers every day, Lord, I want to be more and more like Jesus. I want to think like Jesus, act like Jesus. Behave. I want to see what Jesus saw or what Jesus would see if he was in my place. And, you know, when Jesus comes into our hearts, he begins to change us. He begins to transform us by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit starts to work inside of us and starts to say, you know, hey, you know, you, 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 when, when, when we behave in a certain way that isn't kind of the way Jesus would behave, the Holy Spirit starts to say, hey, Joe, that's not the way, you know, you should be behaving. It's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. It's not condemnation. It's not the Holy Spirit saying, you got it wrong again. No, no, that's not, that's, that's not, that's the enemy that condemns. The Holy Spirit convicts us gently. The Holy Spirit speaks to us so gently and he begins to say, hey, no, you, you can be better than this. You can do better than this. And, 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 and it begins to form Christ inside of us. And so the more we walk with, with Jesus, the, the longer we are believers, the more like Jesus we become, the more like him we speak and the more we behave. And that's what the church ought to be. We are called the called out ones, called to be different. We're called to be the representations of Jesus Christ on the earth. So what are some of the images in the Bible of the church? Well, the first of the images that the Bible presents is that of the church as a familia, as a family. Hey. hey. Good news is you're part of the family. <laughs> All throughout the New Testament, we see the language of family being used within the context of the church. Paul says to the Ephesians, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ and this is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure the, the Bible says that he's adopted us into his family through Jesus Christ when we give our life to Jesus Christ we are suddenly adopted into his family and I just love what it says and it gave him great pleasure it's something that he wanted to do then Ephesians chapter 2 says this, So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. So now you Gentiles, now the Gentiles were those that were excluded from the promises of God. They weren't allowed to do, you know, allowed to go to the temple. They, they were excluded from all of the things that, that, that God had promised in the Old Testament. And, and now in, within the New Testament, they're included. And Paul is speaking to, to the church in, 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 in Ephesus and he's saying, so now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners, but you are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. And I, I want you to know because there might be some people here today and you're, you're kind of feeling like a, a, an outcast. You're feeling like a stranger. You're feeling like a foreigner. You feel like you don't belong to the family of God. Well, the word of God says that through Jesus Christ, we belong. We are members of God's family in the name of Jesus. Paul reminds the church, what God said, he says, I will be a, it's, it's, it's all family terms. I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. You know, irrespective of what kind of relationship we've had with our earthly fathers and there's, there's, there's no one's had a perfect relationship with their father. Um, no such thing as a perfect father. <laughs> I'm struggling saying that. 
It's not coming easily to me. Uh, but it's true. There's no such thing as an earthly father. And I love this scripture because what God says is, I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. In fact, you know, I, was, I remember going to a, a seminar one time and it's a men's seminar and they, and they said you know, 90% of, of men have had a, a difficult relationship with their fathers. And I, I, that, that, that statistic blew me away. And I, I pray that this church would be filled with, with spiritual fathers in the name of Jesus, which brings me to my next scripture in Corinthians, which says, for this reason, I've sent Timothy. So he's speaking to the Corinthian church and he says, I've sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, who will remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach everywhere in every church. Now, notice what Paul says. Paul says, I will send you Timothy, my son, the reality is Timothy wasn't his son. It wasn't his physical son. Timothy was Paul's spiritual son. And this is, this is really powerful. This is a really powerful thought. Because irrespective of our biological family, irrespective of whether we've grown up in a good or bad family, functional or dysfunctional, just for the record, there's only one kind of family we've all grown up in. It's dysfunctional in the name of Jesus. It's just a question of degree. Can I hear an amen? Yeah, you go. Yeah, mine's really spoke. Uh, whether our parents were present or absent, whether our parents are alive or passed away, we can be part of the family of God. And in the family of God, we can find spiritual mums and dads that can speak into our lives. And there are there are certain characteristics of families uh, that that families provide: a sense of belonging, acceptance, and love. There's values that are passed on. There's loving correction. And irrespective of what we've experienced in our lives, we can experience those things because we are part of the family of God, Amen. the church of Jesus Christ. That one of the images that, are, that is represented in the word of God, one of the images of the church, as, as Jesus was thinking, I'm going to build my church. And, and the pictures that came into his mind, one of the pictures that came into his mind was that of a family. The church of Jesus Christ being a family. Families take care of each other. They look out for each other. They love each other. They help each other. They carry each other's burdens. In the church, I pray that we would be this kind of church where we take care of each other in the name of Jesus. Look out for each other, love each other, help each other in need. Help carry each other's burdens. Church as a family says you belong. Church as a family says you're accepted and you're loved. And I pray that here at Life we would always be like one great, big, happy family. Can I hear an amen? Mm. <laughs> like all families, there's going to be some squabbles, misunderstandings, challenges, painful cousins. How many people have got a painful relative? <laughs> but when it's all is said and done, we are family. We're family. And, and one of the things about being a, a follower of Jesus Christ is... You can go to another nation of the world and, 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 and go into a church and suddenly you're part of the family. Because what is it, what is it that unites us together? I'll tell you what unites us together. It's, it's, our, it's our heavenly father. You know, uh, the Lord's Prayer. How, what, what does the Lord's Prayer say? The whole context of the Lord's Prayer is, is that we can come to God, not as some distant God out there that's not interested in, in my life or in your life. We come to God as our Father who art in heaven. We challenge to come to God as, as His children. Number one, first image is that of the church 
as a family. Second of the images that the Bible presents is that of the church as a body. Paul says to the Romans, for just as each of us has one body with many members and those members do not have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body and each member belongs to all the others. Again, Paul is using a kind of a, a, a description here of a physical body, but he's speaking about the church of Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Again, what is he speaking about here? Not speaking about a, a physical body, speaking about the spiritual body, which is the church of Jesus Christ. Uh, again, in 1 Corinthians, Paul says, now you are the body of Christ. He's speaking to the church. He's saying, now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. I love one translation. It says, and each of you is a necessary part of church what Paul is doing here is using the body the physical body to describe the church now just as the body has many parts each part is necessary each part is important so each of us has a part to play in this context of the church of Jesus Christ there are parts you see I mean I can't see my liver but you know thank God I got a liver because apparently it does some pretty good work inside I can't see my heart I can hear it pumping but 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 the heart is so crucial I can't see my brain <laughs> but there's one there I'm believing by faith in the name of Jesus sometimes I wonder uh, but but it's there by faith and 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 the same same in the body of Christ we can't see the function that everybody has but everybody has an important role to play within the context of the church if the church is like a petrol station, and there's a real sense where it is like that, it's because there are people who come to church not just to receive, but they come to give something. How powerful it is when we as the church of Jesus Christ gather, not only just to, you know, what can I get out of this, but, but what can I give? When we, when we start to approach church like that, the church suddenly becomes stronger. The body becomes stronger. We're blessed by the way, I don't like to see the church as a, as a theater, as, you know, come and be entertained in church. I don't believe we should be entertained in church, but, but thank God for what we experience. Thank God for the worship that we experience every single Sunday. I mean, we could just have one guitar or, or you know, we could do a cappella. <laughs> that would be, uh, I'd love to lead a cappella. That would be amazing. Um, but we, we could just come. But no, thank God for what we have and, and how we can enjoy the presence of God and enjoy wish. And the reason why we can is because there are people that sacrifice their time to be able to lead us in worship. If the church is like a welfare center where, where we help people in need and that, that ought to be the mission of the church, it's because there are people who want to help those in need. It's because there are people who sacrifice their time. It's because there are people who are, who are passion, passionate for those in need and they say, you know what, on a Friday night, I could easily just be home watching a movie or just having dinner, but no, you know what, I'm going to give up a Friday night because I want to help those who, who maybe don't have what I have or can't enjoy what I enjoy and they, they give of their time to serve within the context of the body, body of Christ. If, if the church is like a pharmacy, it's because there are people who are willing to guide others through their pain. We live in a world with, which is filled with pain. 
You know, and, 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 and people are carrying so much. We've got everything. We've got everything we could possibly want financially and educationally. And yet, yet our hearts are filled with pain. And, and the church ought to be like a hospital. The church ought to be a place where people can come and, 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 and be ministered to in their pain. Paul says, and I love this scripture. I saw it, found it this week. And I love this. The Bible says, God sent out his word. Psalm 107 verse 20. He sent out his word and healed them. He rescued them from the grave. He sent out his word and healed them. You know, never underestimate the power of the word of God. Never underestimate the power of one word to heal our heart. There's something the enemy wants to do. He came to kill, steal, and destroy. And, you know, how does, how does he actually do that? We're going to talk about that in just a moment. How does he do that? Sometimes he can trap us with a thought. We could can, can be held captive with a thought, with a lie from the enemy. And I, and I love this scripture because the word of God says in the New Testament, it says, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. So often we are held captive because we believe a lie. And, 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 the, and Jesus said, oh, you, we shall know the truth and the truth is going to set you free. And I love this scripture because it says, he sent out his word and healed them. It's the word of God that has the power to heal us. It's the word of God that has the power to heal our past. It's the word of God that has the power to heal, heal the brokenness and the wounds in our hearts and in our spirit. It's the word. He sent out his word and healed them. What you need more than anything else. It's a word from God. That's why as, as I preach, as, as, we, as, as, we, as we prayed, as I prayed at the beginning, my prayer is, Lord, God, speak to me through this word. I don't just need more information. We don't need more information. What we need is the revelation of God's word. We need this word to become a revelation in our hearts and spirit because it has the power to heal us. Now, sometimes God sends his word and heals us. Sometimes I'm reading my Bible and a truth will jump out and, and speak to us. It's, it's a rhema. There's two words for the word of God in the Bible. There's logos and there's rhema. Logos is the general word of God. Rhema is a specific word for a specific situation for a specific time. And as we read the word, it's the living word. And, and, and God has the capacity to speak to us through a particular word. He sent out his word and healed them. Now, sometimes God sends out his word. And sometimes he'll speak through someone else. He'll speak through the word. He'll speak through a sermon. He'll speak through a song. He'll speak through someone else. And church is called to be ministers of healing into people's hearts and lives. Story of Paul and Ananias. I love this. Paul is uh, on the road to Damascus. A bright light shines. And he's cast to the ground and... Jesus says to him, why are you persecuting me? And, uh, and Paul is, is, is blinded at that moment. What, what I love about this story is that God's, Jesus says to Paul, Paul, you got to, to the house of Ananias. He's going to lay hands on you and you're going to be healed. And that, that, that speaks to us about the power of the church of Jesus Christ. What, what, was, what was Jesus teaching Paul? It was teaching Paul about the importance of the church and the body of Christ. There's, there's, there's a healing that can take place within the context of the church of Jesus Christ. If the church is like a department store <laughs> uh, and we should, be, we should make people feel welcome, it's because there's a welcome team every Sunday that gets here early and 
and, and, and uh, just prepares, look forward. They've had a terrible week. It's been terrible. Things have gone bad. Nothing's gone right. You know, but when they come into church, they put a smile on their face because they understand the power of the local church. I want you to know that you are a necessary part of this expression of the body of Christ. That God has given you unique gifts and talents and abilities and a personality. You have so much to contribute to this local church as we discover our gifts and find our place to serve. The body of Christ is stronger. The reach is greater. The church becomes more effective in being Jesus on the earth. When Jesus was thinking about the local church, he was thinking about a body that would be, that would be a, an effective body that would do great things. The kind of things Jesus did while he was on earth. The kind of things he would do through the church. And people may say, you know, I have nothing to offer. What can I do? I'm not good at anything. I want you to know that's a lie from the devil in the name of Jesus. Right. If you're breathing, it's because God has a plan and a purpose for your life. Right. You are not an accident. God has created you for such a time as this. Look at this scripture, Isaiah 49.1. It says this, before I was born, the Lord called me from my mother's womb. He has spoken my name. We need, to per, we, need to, we need to personalize that before I was born. The Lord called me from my mother's womb. He has spoken my name. The Lord's called you. You're not an accident. He has a plan for your life. Ephesians says, however, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of his grace. Each one of us has gifts. And as we serve within the context of the gifts, that, 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 that we have been given by God, then we can be the body that God has called us to be. Third of the images that the Bible presents is that of the church as an army. We need to understand that as believers, we're involved in a spiritual battle between the dominion of darkness and the kingdom of light, good and evil, right and wrong, the systems of this world and the principles of truth. Throughout the New Testament, we see the imagery of the church as an army. Paul says to the church in Ephesus, uh, put on the full armor of God, great scripture, uh, on spiritual warfare so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes for our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the authorities against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms for our struggle is not against people it's not against your husband or your wife or your boss or your this our struggle is not behind many of the struggles that we have is is, is a, a spiritual struggle as we, we start fighting with the individual, we, we start seeing the problem as this person or the other person, where what we need to do is see the, the, the spirit that is behind it. And as we, as we begin to tackle that in the spiritual realm, something begins to shift. Paul said to the Philippians, but I think it necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker and fellow soldier, refers to him as a soldier who is also your messenger whom you sent to take care of my needs. One of the churches that's adopted this image as, the, as an army is the Salvation Army. Okay? There you go. Founders of the Salvation Army modeled around the concept of war on sin and the problems of this world. Doing an amazing job. You know, in our city, in our nation, all the nations of the world. Just doing an incredible job. There's such a grace on them to, to be able to reach out into the, into the community and make a difference. The image of the church as an army is a powerful image. We're living in an age where we're not necessarily fighting a physical enemy, but so many of us are involved in a battle nevertheless, a battle with our thoughts, our hearts, our past, anxiety, depression, a sickness and addiction, uh, battles in our homes, at work and so on. And as we struggle and as we fight, we can so easily get to a place where we feel tired and exhausted and weary. And when we just feel like we have no more energy to fight another day, 
But you know, this is where the image of the church as an army is powerful. Because in an army, soldiers look out for each other. They help each other. They stand with each other. And together, they are so much stronger in fighting whatever enemy is coming against them. They can try individually, but individually, they wouldn't be able to do very much. But together as an army, they are so much stronger in fighting whatever battle they're facing. Paul says to the Colossians, I love this. Epaphras, look at all these names I'm giving you for your kids. So many every week, it's beautiful names. Listen to what it says about Epaphras. He says, Epaphras is always wrestling in prayer for you. So that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. Epaphras is, is, is away from the Colossian church, right? He's nowhere near these dudes. He's nowhere near them. And he's wrestling in prayer for them so that they will stand. It's, a, it's, it's an army term. And maybe some of you facing a battle today. You've got a choice. You can either face that battle on your own. Or you can speak to someone and say, will you pray for me? Will you help me? I'm facing, I'm facing a child. That's what life groups are all about. It's, a, it's creating these little communities where we can develop friendships with people that we can trust. And, and if we're going through a battle of some description, we can say, hey, would you pray for me? Would you help me? I'm just going through a really difficult time in my life. Would you, would you, would you help me? I can, I can tell you this. Uh, in, in my life, there's been many occasions where I've rung somebody up and said, hey, I'm doing it tough at the moment. I'm just going through a situation. I've got no idea what to do. Would you pray for me? The Apostle Paul used to, in every single letter that he wrote to the churches, he said, pray for me. Pray for me, pray for me, pray for me that I may preach the gospel without fear or favor. Pray for me that opportunities may be given me. If Paul needed the prayer of the saints, how much more do we? Isn't that what the church should be? A place where we pray for one another, exhort one another, encourage and love one another. The church as an army says, you're not alone in the battle. Together we're so much stronger. One final image is that of the church as the bride of Christ. It speaks to us about the incredible love that God has for us. Paul says to the Ephesians, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. This passage, Paul is speaking about marriage and about the relationship between husband and wife. Ephesians chapter 5, you can read it. Now, notice what he says to the husbands. So wives, you're going to be very happy you came to church today, all right? Uh, He says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. How should a husband love their wife? Paul says like they take care of themselves. That's what Bible is saying. By feeding themselves, nourishing themselves, taking care of them, by, protect, by defending themselves. It's a good time, wives. Just a little nudge will be good right there. Paul is saying this is how Christ takes care of you and me. He loves, he loves us just like a bridegroom loves their wife. He loves us so much that he gave his life for us. And that he's willing to die for us. And not only that, but he feeds us with his word. He nourishes us, protects us. 
He defends us. He builds us up. He wants us to flourish. He pursues a close friendship with us. I want you to know that Christ loves you with an incredible love. I believe it's one of the greatest revelations that we can have. That we are loved by God. There may be some of you here today, you're not, you're, not, you're, not, you're not feeling the love. You're questioning the love of God for your life. I want you to know that you're loved by God. We belong to the church of Jesus Christ. And because we are, we are the church of Jesus Christ, God, God loves us just as a husband loves their wives. That's the way that God loves us, takes care of us, thinks the world of us. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against us. We'll do the other 92 next week, all right? When Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against us, what image did he have in mind? What was the picture that he had when he was thinking about the church? We have all these preconceived ideas about the church. We live in a world that has all these preconceived ideas about who the church is and what the church is trying to do and and what the underlying mission of the church is. Some people think the church is a political movement. God forbid. History, the church has become a political movement. They've hidden behind the church to, to pursue political ends. That's not the picture that Jesus had in mind. When Jesus said, I'll build my church, the image that he had in mind was that of a family. That, 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 that if, if you don't have a family of your own, you can be part of the family of God. That irrespective of what's happening in your life and what you're going through, you belong to the family of God. He had a picture of the body of Christ. In other words, you know, uh, I'm watching, is it the calling Luke? The chosen. No, yeah, calling chosen. Uh, watching the chosen at the moment. And, you know, I know that it's, just a, you know, a human representation of Jesus. But just in every, it's about in every show, I'm kind of moved to tears. And I, and I, and I, watched, I, I watched Jesus call Matthew, the tax collector. And he says, come and follow me. And the tax collector, you know, he, he, they, they were despised in their day. And, and, Jesus, and Jesus comes fast and he says to Matthew, the despised tax collector, the people they hated the most, he says, come and follow me. And the Bible says that, that Matthew left, left, his, uh, left his booth and he begins to follow Jesus Christ. That was, that was the physical body of Christ doing those kind of things. We as the church are called to do exactly the same kind of things. We're called to give hope where there is no hope. We're called to tell people hey, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that God has a plan and a purpose for your life, that He loves you and cares for you, and that you created for such a time as this in the name of Jesus. And that irrespective of your past and irrespective of your mistakes and irrespective of what everybody else says about you, God says, I've got a plan and a purpose for your life. The church is called to be the body of Christ, called to be an army, a bride. I pray that Life Christian Center would be that kind of church. Can I hear it? I want to finish off with an exercise. I've done with our leaders many, many times. The question is simple. I want you to think, if the church was operating at its best, what would it look like? If this church, Life Christian Center, was operating at its best, perfect, what would it look like? I want you to just 
If you feel comfortable to do that, just close your eyes. Just see if you can imagine. Don't fall asleep. Just close your eyes. Just imagine church operating at its best. Question, what do you see? What do you see? Uh, when, I, when I do that, you can open your eyes now. So I use, oh, beautiful. A bit of shut eye, great. Um, when I do this exercise, what, what I see, the first picture that comes to my mind, is I see the, the church just packed with people uh, during worship, just lifting their hands like this and worshiping Jesus. Not worshiping an individual, not a, not a church, not a name, just lifting their hands, worshiping Jesus Christ. Packed. packed. I see people coming to Christ, I see baptisms, people filled with the Holy Ghost, empowered by the Holy Spirit. I see people being healed. I see happy people. People come. People have this perception of church. Oh, boring. Church is boring. I pray church would never be boring in the name of Jesus. I see people that are happy. Can't wait to get to church. Families, happy, restored. I see a welfare centre. He imagined that. What, what, what does the church look like? What, 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 what do you see when you think of the church operating at its best? See a church with warehouses and, and every week delivering food to the poor and the needy and giving hope. See a church doing... Amazing things in the arts. I, lo- I love the chosen or the calling? Chosen. I-, I just love what they're doing with the chosen. I'm in my 50s now. Just help me, help me. Um, you know, it, it, I-, I think every year in March there's the fringe. And, you know, people are fascinated with the arts. Show after show, they go into these shows, they watch people do. I don't know what they do. I don't, I don't know what they are. But people, the crowds just pack in. Why can't we revive the arts in the church? where we are participating in some of that and instead of passing on some stupid messages and there are some crazy shows where we could be passing on life principles. Come on, is that possible or not? Do, do, we, do, we, do, we, think, do we think that that God is interested in the arts? I believe He's interested in the arts. And we need to redeem the arts in the name of Jesus. See people in places of influence and life groups impacting neighbourhoods. People being Jesus in their workplace, wherever they might be. Whatever you see, I want you to go home, do this exercise at home when you're nice and nice and uh, relaxed. Whatever you see is a snapshot of usually what God wants you to do, how God wants you to participate. Because we all come to church, but we see something different. And whatever we see is usually a snapshot of what God wants to do in and through our lives. I pray that in the midst of our brokenness, that we would be the church God has called us to be, that we would be a church where we experience the presence, the power. Will you stand with me? The presence, the power of God, where the Spirit of God moves, where the grace of God is released, and that above all else, we will see lives changed by the grace of God and for the glory of God. Come on, let's just sing as we bring this service to a close.